You are listening to the Supermoms Getting Tired podcast. I'm your host, Tori Henderson, and this is episode 99. All links and show notes can be found by going to lifecoachingforparents.com slash 99. Welcome to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. This show is designed for moms who invest everything into parenting, but get overwhelmed, lost, and resentful. Listen and learn how to unburden yourself, feel calm, full of energy, and in control. I'm your host, master certified life coach, teacher, and recovering supermom, Tori Henderson. Hello, super moms. How are you? Happy spring. It's May. I hope that you're getting some nice weather. Everything's starting to, you know, open up and feel a little more live. Things are coming back to normal. Kids are playing sports again. Schools are hopefully meeting more than two hours a day. <laughs> if you are meeting at all, you know, I just, it's so crazy. It's like by the time you get out of the drop-off car line, it's time to get back and pick them up again. The two-hour little windows are not the greatest solution for moms. Let's just say maybe it works for teachers or kids, but it's been it, it's been interesting. I don't know if you are seeing what I'm seeing because on the outside things are appearing lighter, better, happier, you know, more. I don't know. You can breathe <laughs> and. On the insides, mamas are hitting a wall, especially a mom who has worked in education or healthcare for the last year. This is what I'm seeing. So it's like they power through, push through, like I am super mom, I'm going to put on my cape and I'm going to make it all work and make sure it happens and take care of everybody and, you know, do my Zoom calls from home, do the kids' Zoom school calls from home, manage it all, like... And what's happening is that super mom cape is getting tattered and these moms are exhausted and yet they don't know how to stop. They don't know how to give themselves a break. They don't know it's okay to rest. It's like kind of like they've been on survival mode. So I've got a lot of people, a lot of mamas who are really struggling and I'm putting a lot of peer pressure on them (laughs) as their coach to take a break, go soak in a bathtub, check in a hotel for two nights, go on a yoga retreat. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's so hard. They are just stuck in the last year of survival mode. So I would love it if you could help me pressure them to go take care of themselves, do something good for their mind, body, and spirit. So please join me in pressuring other moms to take care of themselves and do whatever feels most indulgent because they really, really need it and they're really stuck and it's hard to get them to do it. (laughs) So if nothing else, tell them about this podcast. Say, hey, you need the Super Mom is Getting Tired podcast and send it to them so at least we can kind of crack the ice around this productive, ignoring themselves mindset that a lot of moms have been in so that they can start taking care of themselves as well as others. And so today's episode, number 99, is about a socially uncomfortable teen. So this was actually two emails I got that were so similar that I thought I would just put them in one. (laughs) So one mom says, I see my 15-year-old being anxious anytime she has to interact with anyone in person. It's as though she's lost her confidence to talk to someone face-to-face. And then another mom says, I have two teens, a 15-year-old and a 19-year-old. 
One of the things that worries me is my 15-year-old girl has become so introverted. She says she doesn't like people and doesn't want to be around people. With all this pandemic time at home and doing virtual school, she really has become secluded. She and I have a good relationship, but I know she needs others. Well, thank you, Cindy, for writing in. And I appreciate these two very similar sounding, ironically, with the exact same age and gender, the 15-year-old girl. So the parent educator answer, like, okay, what to do? You've got a 15-year-old who's anxious socially, right? And so I did another episode about, I mean, it's kind of about social anxiety, and I listed like 21 things that help with anxiety in general. And so this answer is going to be a little different. And I think it's just so kind of crazy what this pandemic has done, because we just spent like a year thinking that our friends could kill us and our friends could carry, carry diseases and they're dangerous to be around or touch. And so it is a strange psychological trip to just flip a switch one day and expect that our kids now will want to socially re-engage with kids without struggle when you've just been spent a year being afraid of other people. Now it's like, oh, no, no, we're not afraid of them anymore. Now they're our friends and we want to get to know them. And it's just a weird psychological switch to flip. So avoiding social situations, well, seems like a good remedy, but it's a surefire way to increase social anxieties, especially during the teen and tween years when there's so much social nuance. So you want a recipe to create social anxiety, you just throw a pandemic into the middle of a 14-year-old girl. <laughs> like That's just bound to happen because they miss out on keeping up with the social expectations and nuances that are so prevalent for 13 and 14-year-olds, both genders, really. So first, I want to talk about the difference between introversion and social anxiety. So introverts get drained by being around too many people too much of the time. They need alone time to power up and fill their tank. Alone time gives introverts energy. Where on the other hand, extroverts are energized by being with others. So for extroverts, too much alone time can drain an extrovert's energy. They power up by being around people. So Another few things about introverts is that they tend to think before they speak, where extroverts tend to think out loud. So when introverts talk, they speak with fully formed thoughts and sentences. Extroverts kind of tends to go out the mouth, into the ears, and then into the brain. (laughs) That's how I say it. So uh, extroverts tend to have a more is merrier approach to people. Like, yeah, let's bring in new friends and I want to meet new people. They're often happy to open up, you know, to new people where introverts tend to prefer deep friendships with a few core people. They like the same people. They don't necessarily need to meet new people all the time. They can be more loyal than an extrovert in a way. So when your daughter says, I don't like people, to me, that sounds more like social anxiety. It's something she can say to protect herself from feeling awkward, embarrassed, or anxious because introverts love people. They love them very much. They have very good, deep core friendships. So 
I think it's for Cindy's daughter in this situation, it's easier just to reject and say, like, I don't need it. I don't need people than to deal with the yucky emotions of embarrassed and awkward and anxious and uncomfortable. Like, of course, she doesn't want to feel that way. You can offer her books about introverts so she can, like, learn more about it, recognize that introverts do like people. You can also watch TED Talks together about the subject. But I think the best way to help all kids who feel socially awkward, which, by the way, is 84% of middle schoolers, (laughs) they call themselves socially awkward, is to role play social situations with them. Because we've lived in this year where they haven't had social situations actually happening to them. And so role playing is a really great solution. In the sex education class that I teach for 9 to 12 year olds, I've done a lot of role playing over the years with the kids, mainly because they really like it. And it seems like a very concrete way to help them learn. And so we role play peer pressure scenarios, sexual harassment scenarios, you name it. There's a role play for it. So if that doesn't sound like something that's up your alley to like kind of make one up and, you know, sometimes it's like some creativity of like, okay, what would you say if you go to sit down next to a girl in class and you think she seems nice and you want to get to know her? What's something you could say to her? Like that's a scenario that you could just make up to help your daughter learn how to engage socially. If that's not something that's easy for you to make up, you can Google it. If you Google social skills role plays, you will find so many that are created by teachers. You can purchase them for like a couple dollars or counselors. You can just print off the internet, whatever. Easily accessible, okay? So kids learn through play. Role playing is a great way to help them learn because they're presenting a scene and they're playing a character. And so it feels safe. It's not like they're putting themselves out there and being vulnerable. They're acting as if somebody else. And so you can plan and prepare for awkward, uncomfortable moments by rehearsing them first in a playful way. So we tend to think of taking drama or acting classes as being kind of reserved for really dramatic children who love to perform in front of an audience. And of course, that's great. But drama class is a great way to help teens and tweens get comfortable with social skills. Because again, it's the same thing of where they're playing a role and pretending to be somebody else. So they get to try on different ways of acting. If they're playing the character of somebody who's very outgoing and comfortable, they can learn how to do it without investing in it. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like the fake it till you make it kind of thing. So drama classes, acting classes, trying on different emotions, different personality types is a great way to see what's open to you without having to commit and really put yourself out there. So another way to help build social skills is a game you can buy off Amazon. It's called Awkward Moments. And so this is like a card game that's really geared towards, I would say, younger kids, but you could use it with teens. But it's about introducing social situations and kind of, you know, giving them options of how to respond and helping them choose the best response. And sometimes it's funny or silly, but it really gets them thinking about you know, how do I want to be in these social situations? So you've got role plays at home with mom, you've got drama class, you've got awkward moments, card game, 
Your daughter can practice socializing in a non-intimidating environment through any of these methods, but another way to do that is to have her socialize with Oh, I don't know, less threatening people. Like 15-year-old girls are pretty intimidating. So have her work with children or animals or the elderly or the homeless or some a group of people that's not quite so judgmental, that's not so uh, picky about how you're supposed to talk and look and act and present yourself. She could volunteer. She could get a job with a training program that teaches her how to act. You know, I understand like Starbucks has a really good training program that you go through. Uh, with think about like Disney University, I believe also has like a very in-depth training program that teaches you how to look them in the eye, how to smile, what kinds of things to say, how to strike up a conversation with people when they're in line, how to handle conflicts. Like some some jobs come along with some really good training programs. And that way it takes the pressure off of her trying to figure it out on her own. That said, she could also try to figure it out on her own. There are self-help books out there about how to, you know, make friends and how to engage socially. So once you can open up to ideas of how to help your daughter engage socially, there are many that are available. So the life coaching answer of what gets in our way from implementing all these great ideas Two things. One is not having any examples and two uncooperative teenagers. Chances are, unless you went to cotillion dance lessons, you weren't taught social skills in a formal way. It was probably something that you just picked up. No one sat you down and role played with you, played these card games, you know, helped you make friends, teaching you what to say and how to do it, right? Like this wasn't a formally taught thing. And so when we don't have any role modeling, it's hard to figure out how to do it ourselves. Totally natural. And the other obstacle, of course, is the eye rolling, oh my god, mom, no, that is bound to ensue when you approach the topic of role playing, social situations, and teaching her how to make friends, right? She's 15. So probably there's going to be a little pushback. Because she probably doesn't want to do anything that makes her feel awkward, even if that's mom. So how do you get teens to cooperate with things that you know are good for them, but that they feel awkward doing? So maybe you wanted her to go see a therapist. You're like, okay, you have anxiety. Let's, you know, go to therapy. That's something, too, that's going to induce eye rolling and refusal and pushback and all this. So... I've got some six tips here to help moms get teens to cooperate with things that they might initially roll their eyes at. So the first one, of course, is to make it fun. If you're going to play a role-playing game, make it playful. Make it silly. Don't be so serious about it. You know, allow a little potty talk or let it get racy, you know, swear in front of them. Keep it light and casual um, because you're trying to keep it playful, not like I am the authority and I shall now teach you how to engage with your peers. Like we want it to be a silly thing that they can learn some skills, but not feel like it's 
formal and that they've been doing it wrong up until this point and that you know best and they don't. And this might be something you want to learn about too. <laughs> Maybe all of us have forgotten how to socialize after a year of the pandemic. So number one, make it fun. Number two is have conviction. You know, I was just watching The Voice last night, and there was this singer auditioning, and he was saying how when he was little, his mom would take him to piano lessons, and he would lay on the floor under the piano and refuse to sit on the bench, and he refused to put his fingers on the keyboard, and he would pout and throw tantrums, but she kept taking him. And here he is, you know, 20 years old, so grateful that mom kept taking him to these piano lessons because he's now auditioning for The Voice. And it's, you think about that, you think, God, that mom must have had a lot of conviction to continue to put up with and tolerate the this little kid's refusals. Like, where does she get that conviction from, right? And so when it comes to the social skills, Tapping into our convictions. Why is this so important? How are we going to thank ourselves later for making our children do this? How are they going to thank us later for making them learn this stuff? Find that conviction That's you, so you can be 100% all in is number two. Number three is to offer an incentive. So this is good old-fashioned bribery. <laughs> so you can... Say, hey, I will pay you if you will play this game with me. I will pay you to go to therapy. You can give them cash if you want. Um, find out what their currency is. You know, is it cell phone time? Okay, so we're going to start charging you for your cell phone usage. You can either pay us in cash or you can pay by doing some role-playing social skills. You can earn your cell phone time by doing one thing that scares you every day. And so text a friend if that scares you, you're going to do that. And then you get to earn your cell phone time. So you can offer them incentives. You can make it worth their while. You can say, I will take the pressure off you for this whole weekend if you will just make one little phone call <laughs> on Friday night. You know, if you will go volunteer at this you know, cat shelter, whatever it is. So you can offer incentives, offer whatever you can think of if you think that this is so important that they really need it and it's really good for their benefit. Then number three is offer incentives tends to work. Number four, information, consequences, choice. Anytime that you have a rebel or a teenager whose natural state is to rebel, you want to think about this three-step process, giving information, offering consequences and giving them a choice. So the information is, in Cindy's cases, it sounds like your daughter might have some social anxiety. So you kind of explain to her what social anxiety is and that this is probably going to be very typical with people coming out of COVID that people your age may have forgotten, like how to interact with other people your age and that this is what it's called, and this is what's normal, but that it gets worse with age. And if you don't address it, then it can kind of snowball into living a very small, sheltered life that isn't very fun, that's devoid of friendships, and it's just not a good future trajectory for you. So that's kind of the consequences part. Like, this isn't really something that we want to leave unattended. And so the choice is... you. 
you give these rebels, so these teenagers, a choice. You could say, you can either practice some role-playing scenarios with me, play awkward moments card game, go to therapy, work with a life coach for teens. You can, you know, role-play with your cousin over Zoom, whatever. You can give her all these different choices, but say, you need to choose one of them or I'm going to choose for you. And so... Uh, information, consequences, choice can be very helpful with a teenager who doesn't want to do much of anything, <laughs> especially if it makes their, them feel awkward. Number five, way to get teens to cooperate is to make it about you. So it's like, you could say to her, I don't know how to parent a child with social anxiety, but I'm afraid I'm going to mess it up. So I made this appointment to talk to a family therapist who's going to help give me some tools on how to, you know, teach you what you need to know, but in a way that's not annoying, that makes you not want to eye roll. So this is what I do in my sex ed class, because of course, you know, most nine to 12 year olds are still pretty open and they do really want to learn. But sometimes they've been trained to not ask questions and how this subject is very taboo and we don't talk about our bodies and stuff like that. And so parents, sometimes they'll ask me, like, how do I get my kid to come to the class? You know, like, how, what can I say to them to convince them to sit down and watch this video? And I'll say, it's about you, that this class isn't for them. It's for you because you don't know how to talk to a talk to your kid about puberty or gender or sexual harassment. Like, you didn't take a class on this. This is not something your parents modeled for you. And so the class is for the parents, but parents aren't allowed to take it unless they have a 9 to 12-year-old with them, because that would be creepy. So number five suggestion is to make it about you. And number six, the last one you can do to help get teens to cooperate is to make it normal. To normalize it by comparing it with something else that's really mundane, I guess. So you could say, hey, you know, we go to the doctor once a year to do a physical checkup. We're going to go to a doctor to do a mental checkup and just make it sort of normal. Or you could say, I taught you how to, you know, load the dishwasher. Now I'm going to teach you what to say when you want people to go from strangers to acquaintances to friends. And you just make it seem like, oh, this is something that it's my job to teach you because you're 15 now and you're learning how to do laundry and you're learning how to drive a car. And so you also need to learn how to bridge the gap from strangers to acquaintances to friends to close friends and what that looks like. So you could just normalize it. So those are my ideas on how to get teens to cooperate with things that you know are good for them, but they feel awkward doing. Number one, make it fun. Number two, have conviction. Number three, offer incentive. Number four, information consequences choice. Number five, make it about you. And number six, make it normal or normalize it. Today's super mom kryptonite or a secret energy drain that you might not know is making you tired is thinking, well, this is so easy. So... I don't know if this is Cindy's scenario or the other mom who wrote in, but sometimes if socializing comes really easily and naturally to them, then it can all actually get in their way from helping their kids, right? So like if you have 
never had any social training and that always felt easy to you, that you love people and you love, you know, making connections and introducing them and meeting new people and, you know, talking to strangers. If that all comes super easy and naturally to you, it might be hard for you to, one, kind of relate with compassion and empathy, but two, for you to break it down in a way that helps your kids learn it, right? So it doesn't, whether it's socializing, math, athletics, time management, the thought that, oh, this is so easy, can actually drain your energy and get in your way of helping your teenagers with that particular task. So I remember this one time, I was a Girl Scout leader, and uh, there we were practicing jumping rope. And it was the big one, you know, where you have two people holding it on an ends and you have to run in and then start jumping. And so this little girl, she was so nervous and she's standing on the sidelines and she's waiting and she's waiting and the rope is, you know, turning. She's watching it turn. She's trying to find the perfect time to run in and then start jumping. And her mom comes up and just says like, oh, honey, it's so easy. Watch, just do it like this. And she runs in, starts jumping and then runs out her daughter sat down and refused to participate the rest of the time, okay? So when things are easy for us, we're not the best teachers. Better to have somebody who doesn't know how to jump rope and has learned or didn't know and learned it. Just like it's better to have somebody who whose social skills did not come easily and naturally to, that they could be a far better teacher for your child than maybe you can or anybody for whom it comes easily. So for me, this was my scenario. Like I Social skills were really hard for me. And I coped. I was just super sensitive and super aware. I was a very big observer. And I tuned into everything and every word and every feeling that was going on around me. So it was almost like overstimulating to pay attention to everyone else and myself. So I just coped by not speaking. I didn't talk really at all. It's hard to believe I have a podcast now. But... This was how I coped. And so I also did pretty much everything I suggested in the beginning. I took drama classes. I worked with children. I volunteered. I had jobs, work that was my social outlet. So I didn't have to worry about socializing. I didn't have to figure out how to have friendships and how to be popular or whatever. Although I did read books, like The Popularity Plan, but it was a novel for teenagers, but I read it like a self-help book and I like tried to implement it. Like pick one person and look them in the eye and then smile. And it was great to have it all broken down step-by-step step like that. Like I really liked it. And so... Now, you know, I can, I just taught this in my time for the talk class the other night because I thought these kids, 9 to 12, like they're going to be, they might be struggling also with friends and how to make new friends. And so, you know, the younger age probably helps them a little bit, but 12-year-olds is, you know, very, just as hard as 13 and 14. And so I taught them the five levels of emotional intimacy. Because during puberty is when we start craving that emotional intimacy. You want a best friend or you want a tight group of friends or you feel like you should have one and you don't and everybody else has one or feels like they should. And it's just this weird friendship time. And so I broke it down into five levels. Level five is strangers. And with strangers, you just communicate the facts. Oh, it's a hot day today, isn't it? They say it's going to rain. You just say, 
the the facts of the situation. And so this is something that's like broken down really simply for kids. So that when the mailman comes up, you they can strike up a conversation with a stranger by just talking about the facts. Wow, lots of mail today. <laughs> or it's going to be a hot one, whatever. Then level four is acquaintances. And so these are people that you might see kind of on a regular basis, but you don't know very well. With acquaintances, you can repeat things that other people say. Like, they say this teacher is really hard. They say this class is fun. You know, if you're sitting down in school and you're meeting somebody new and you're seeing them, you know, you've seen them every day now for three days in a row, you might consider them an acquaintance. You might share some thoughts, but it's not quite intimate enough to share your own thoughts. You're just going to repeat what other people say. <laughs> they say we're gonna not going to have to wear masks for much longer. The level three is friends. And so with friends, you share your thoughts. I think it's going to be a good day today. I think that I'm going to do well on the math assignment. I think I'm going to try out for the volleyball team. And you might share those thoughts with your friends. Level two is close friends. And this is where you would share your feelings. And so you say like, oh, I feel excited about the game this weekend. I feel nervous about what I'm going to wear. I feel embarrassed because I have to give this speech, whatever. And then level one is this inner circle, this like very intimate, like this is how I feel about us. So your parents might have a conversation with you of like, I don't think our relationship is going very well. Let's talk about our relationship here in the house. Now, some people may never get to level one or even level two. They might just stay on the outer rim and that's their comfort zone. And they want to have friends that share thoughts, but they don't really want to talk about feelings. But the important thing is to go step by step. You start on the outside and you work your way in one at a time. So it's really awkward if somebody starts sharing their intimate feelings with you and says like, I'm worried about what's happening to us. And and the other person's feeling like, we just met. Like, why are we talking about our relationship? <laughs> you know, I don't want to talk about feelings. I don't really know you that well. You don't share your feelings with the mailman unless, you know, every day they start, you start to go deeper and deeper through thoughts, through feelings, and it's reciprocated. And so for kids, this is just kind of a nice way. And you, you know, you can pick up a book about it, but it's a nice way to get that specific concrete visual of what to do. And you, what you do is you take one step into the next inner circle. If you want a close friend, then you go to one level at a time. And you see if it's reciprocated. So if you say, hey, they say that this class is going to be really hard, and this person glares at you and says, well, that's lame, then you don't go continue to share your thoughts and feelings because that wasn't reciprocated. And so when you back up a square and you go, okay, not acquaintance, we're going back to strangers. <laughs> and so this is something that's just really helpful for kids. And there are lots of people that can help kids like learn these skills and tools of role-playing or friendships and how they work. If you go to tutorbloom.com, it's an online tutoring site where you can look for tutors for academic classes, or you can offer, in fact, if you've got a 15-year-old, she may want to offer some tutoring services. You can offer a, your teenager to go tutor on social skills. Like, what a great way to learn it is to make money by doing it. And so I just talked to Tutor Bloom. They said they're going to 
have social skills is going to be one of the categories that they're offering because there's such a high demand after this pandemic year. So check it out. Go to tutorbloom.com and it could be a connect. Connect with a tutor, connect with a relative, a friend, a counselor, anyone who had to learn it the hard way and have them break it down for your team. Today's Supermom Power Boost is love on the spectrum. If you have not watched this Netflix show, I highly recommend it. It was probably the best show I watched all during COVID year. Like, it was so much fun. I watched every episode twice, like back to back. It's an Australian reality TV show that teaches young adults with autism how to go about finding romantic relationships. And they kind of like interview those who've already found love and romance and that are on the spectrum. They talk about how to find someone with common interests, how to make sure that conversations are 50-50, like you talk half the time and they talk half the time. They break it down into these great steps for all of us, not just, you know, kids on the spectrum. I think this is helpful for everybody. How to read people's body language and facial expressions, how to read the intention behind people's words. I mean, it is a brilliant show. Everybody should watch it. I really think it's great for everyone. Because the rules of romance and dating have changed so much since John Hughes' movies in the 80s, or Happy Days in the 70s. That's probably where I got what dating and romance looks like. So they've it's changed a lot. And so we are not the people to maybe necessarily help our kids navigate the world of romance and dating. And I think young people, because there's not a lot of like clear-cut rules, Young people could benefit from having these rules broken down so clearly, not to mention the show is super entertaining and heartwarming. So check out Love on the Spectrum. Today's quote of the day, when people become lonely and isolated, whatever social skills they have tend to atrophy from misuse. Chris Sagan. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you have fun doing some role plays with your kids on how to talk to people, how to make friends, how to share your thoughts and feelings and grow those intimate, emotionally intimate bonds with their peers that they are so hungry for and ready for, especially when they're in the adolescent years. So thank you so much for writing in your questions. If you've got a question you'd like me to address on the podcast, you can go to lifecoachingforparents.com and submit it and let me know. Take care, y'all. Want a free life coaching session? Go to lifecoachingforparents.com and schedule yours today. And thank you so much for listening. I would love it if you would subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air, go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash record my question and you can send me a voicemail recording or write me an email and I'll answer it on the air. Thanks again. Have a great day.